Hi everybody and welcome. My name is Diederik Klopper and I'm the host of the Voices in Payments podcast season 2 in which we talk all about the ABCD of payments. Throughout this season I will be inviting payment experts to talk about artificial intelligence, blockchain, cloud and data and how these apply, overlap and drive winning business strategies in current day fintechs. In season 2 I'm joined by directors, VPs and other senior payment experts who oversee these business operations. But even more often, I'm joined by C-level executives, partners and founders who've leveraged these technologies to generate immense growth. Our guest of today is a seasoned fintech innovator with multiple years of experience in the payment industry. I'm talking about Victor Vredum, the CEO and co-founder of Shufti Pro. Shufti Pro is an AI-powered company offering global identity verification, KYC, KYB and AML solutions. Electronic identity verification has always been critical to a number of industries, including financial services and e-commerce. Together with Victor, we'll discuss how businesses can comply with the regulations and eliminate fraud without adding friction to the customer experience. Victor, a very warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. It's great to have you. Victor, I always start the podcast the same way. Um, how did you stumble into payments? Yeah, so my payments experience actually started straight out of um, high school, I would almost say, uh, where we essentially had our own family company where we were sort of like a payment gateway, but primarily mm-hmm. sort of like focusing on high-risk merchants. So you were born into payments. Yeah, but born in payments, one could essentially say. Uh, that's essentially how I got started. And then I just sort of like got stuck in the space because it's it's a very innovative space to be in. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun space to be in as well. Like I can't say any sort of like events or conferences that are as fun to be at as for when it comes to payments, essentially. Yeah. And with Truthy Pro, you have an AI-powered KYC, KYB and AML tool. Okay, tell us a bit about how you got started in the first place. Sure. Uh, so this also goes hand in hand with so like the, the payments experience, and that is primarily because we dealt a lot with high risk customers. The, the problem with high risk customers is that there's usually also a lot of fraudulent transactions being involved. There's a lot of risk involved. <laughs> a, a lot of risk, essentially. Yeah, correct. Uh, so what we actually did back in the days was that we tried to minimize the risk by essentially integrating all of the existing identity verification tools on the market to try and verify mm-hmm. our customers. Uh, the problem, and this is way back in the time, it's like 2014, roughly, I would say, uh, was that it was quite a slow process to essentially verify customers. Like if we're talking about like our high risk customers, like they had to wait for roughly like one or two days before they got verified. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I'm sure that you're aware as well, like when it comes to the high risk space, like customers don't really want to wait. Nope. Uh, yeah, exactly. And secondly, that a lot of different regions were also being excluded. So our idea why we wanted to create Shafti Pro was primarily because we want to give the customers one of the quickest and the most seamless verification on the streets. And second, we don't want to exclude anyone around the world. Yeah. And with the verification, what is the main difficulty in that entire process? Why uh, are so many companies struggling to do it quick and, and thoroughly? I think the problem has been that, first of all, like a lot of companies have still been using like manual persons when it comes to like verifying the individuals like a lot of companies mm-hmm. still rely on having like large teams which are essentially sitting and verifying id documents all the time 
that's where we actually started using artificial intelligence instead because we wanted to mimic what essentially a human being can essentially do. Uh, but instead of actually doing it in, let's say, one minute, we would essentially then do it in essentially like less than one second. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, like another problem as well with having like your, your human people that's actually verifying the information is that the, the ID document space is continually changing. Like countries are issuing new ID documents like regularly, like even in some Latin countries, like it's being changed like uh, on a yearly basis. So it's very hard for human individuals to essentially keep track about like all the changes. So that's mm -hmm. why we're also using machine learning technologies to essentially automate that process as well when a new document is being introduced to the markets. Yeah. And, and how does it work? So, for instance, the Netherlands will issue a new type of passport. Yeah. Um, do you then, are you in touch with the regulators, with the government, to, that they will uh, notify you that a new document has been released and that you then incorporate it into your system? Or is it because you see more and more users uploading those documents that then the machine learns uh, about those new documents? Yeah, so it's actually a two-step process. So first of all, yeah, we are in touch with regulators and, and the governments from all around the world to essentially try and stay one step in advance of when a new document is actually being rolled out to the market. However, for some countries, like you just can't stay that much in advance when it comes to like new documents being released. So what our system then does is that whenever it gets across a new document, which it hasn't seen before, like let's say if Sweden issues like a new drug license, mm -hmm. the first time our system will actually see that document, it will start by flagging that document. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily accept it the first time it actually sees it because it's thinking of the document like, yeah, this might be a new document, but we're still not sure. However, yeah. the second time the system will start to do a comparison as well. And then essentially on the third or the fourth attempt, we can then start to accept that type of document as well. Yeah. So um, the system recognizes when a, a specific document is used multiple times. Yeah. But how do you then prevent, for instance, a movie theater pass or uh, a public transport chip card being uploaded as being a uh, officially a, a document? Yeah. So. <laughs> Our system will essentially start to learn from the documents. It will then suggest to our, let's say, more senior team members within uh, Shafti Pro that this mm -hmm. might be a new document. But we, we still have that manual sort of like review as well that like, yeah, this might be a new document, but you might want to sort of like check it before we start to accept it. Yeah. So you have an interesting shift from uh, humans manually checking documents to humans manually checking whether a, uh, a document is indeed an official document. Correct. Uh, indeed, interesting. And perhaps then to take it one step back, because why do we need it? Why do we need this authentication? Essentially, like whenever you want to deal with a, a customer and you're essentially touching the customer's money, or if you're a regulated business, you need to essentially identify your customers. And that's where the whole point of like KYC actually comes in. The same goes for the ML check as well, which we also offer through our platform. Yeah. And, and for those who are not that uh, experienced within our industry, can you shortly explain the difference between a procedure for KYC and know your customer and KYB, know your business? Absolutely. So for KYC, that's primarily when we are dealing with individuals. Uh, let's say if you're a gaming company and you would like to onboard your customers so they can essentially start playing. Uh, mm -hmm. That would essentially be the part where you need to do the KYC to essentially make sure that you are dealing with whoever the customer claims to be. Uh, usually that checks would involve doing a facial verification and a document verification because that way we can essentially make sure that the customer is essentially who they claim to be as well. Uh, when it comes to the KYB checks, so this is mainly companies who are dealing with B2B companies as well. So that would be if let's say you're a white label provider and you would have a business that would like to use your platform, then you would potentially like to verify that business. 
So what we do with our KYB solution is that we try to tap into uh, government databases to f try and find as much information as you possibly can about the company itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually that information includes like who are the UBOs buying the company, what is the company's status, the address, etc., all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you could also take it one step further from there as well and then essentially send the UBOs or the company officers for verification as well. Yeah. And looking at you, at the, the clientele that you have in that industry, is it, uh, are the, for instance, mostly marketplaces or need white label solution? What, what is the best fit for market for you, for the KYB? Uh, uh, for the KYB solution, I would say uh, we actually have a lot of banking clients using our KYB solution because usually banks have both their individual clients, but also their business clients using the service. Yep. Uh, secondly, uh, we do actually have quite a lot of white label providers as well, both for like uh, gaming, as I mentioned, but also for like, yes, certain platforms that are so like uh, specific to different sectors, like Forex is another example. Yeah. And uh, with that, I've, I've also been in touch with uh, some of these uh, KYC uh, uh, things like when I uh, onboarded with uh, N26 and Revolut, of course, uh, in the uh, working fintech, I was interested to see how that process would go. Of course, it, the uh, KYC process is highly dependent on the rules and regulation per country. Absolutely. How do you make sure that you keep on top of that? Because that's an ever-changing dynamic and, and it's super rapidly changing as well. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And this is also one of the problems which we see as being like one of the main problems in the space as well. And that is that it, there aren't really like any universal regulation when it comes to the KYC component. Yep. Uh, there is one regulation in Europe, which is called the uh, ADAS or EIDAS. I'm not entirely sure like how to pronounce it, but that's mainly for e-signatures. But when it comes to identifying like individuals, th there is like a complete jungle, to be honest. Like if we're comparing like Sweden towards Germany or towards the Netherlands, they all look the difference. So you can't really have like a one solution meets all the different regulations. You need to have like a customizable solution, which essentially can adapt itself to the regulatory requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a continual process. We have our in-depth legal team, which essentially set forth on finding out the exact regulatory requirements. Uh, secondly, whenever we get across a, a client, which doesn't necessarily have the best knowledge of the regulation in that particular country. Usually our legal team can also help by examining the regulatory requirements to essentially try and help the customers to essentially build their own verification units to meet whatever the regulation requires. Yeah. So your, your platform um, is easily adaptable to different rules and regulations per country? Yeah, correct. But how, how then do you choose which countries to add to the list, for instance? Are you, do you have a specific geographical scope in mind? Say, okay, first we want to have all the European countries uh, alive, and then we will start with US or a specific country, Latin America. Or is it more demand-driven that your customers that are currently active in the markets that you're already active in want to expand to different areas? Yeah, so when we initially launched our company, we primarily focused on the European and the US markets. Um, what we quickly saw was that for almost all the European countries, like we didn't have any problems in complying with the regulations. There were some countries which were a little bit problematic because some of the countries essentially required you to do a live video interview of the customers. Yeah, This is something which we've also- Germany. Yeah, Germany being one of them. Uh, and this is something which we have essentially fixed now as well so that we can comply with the, the German regulation. Uh, we then started looking at other different regions, and this is essentially what you mentioned as well, like we essentially went for the regulations which we had customer interest from. So we did get a lot of customer interest from like the, the MENA region, like uh, mm -hmm. countries such as like Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Dubai, etc. 
and then it's sort of like being a continual process as well, like because we want to offer sort of like a globally compliant solution. So our legal team is continually checking in on different sort of like changes in the regulatory requirements. Uh, and then also worth mentioning is that we're also working with a lot of different strategic partners from different areas of the world as well, which are also being up to date with the, the, the latest changes so that we continue to notify us like in case anything changes. Yeah. And in how many countries are you live at the moment? Uh, we have clients from over 150 countries, if I'm not wow. misremembering on top of my head. Um, but yeah, then the majority of our clients are essentially from Europe, US and the, the Middle Eastern area. Yeah. yeah. And then taking you back to the early days of Shifty Pro, uh, yeah. you, you start with an idea, um, AI-driven KYC, uh, KYB, AML checks. How then do you start to put that into practice? Yeah, so it was essentially hard for us in the beginning. Uh, one of the things why it was a little bit harder for us was because we wanted to grow organically our company. Like we didn't want to raise like any funding because we, we did have experience from our previous uh, ventures as well, where we essentially put in the money ourselves to build the company. Uh, so we started by doing was that we, we started using our old contact network. And this is primarily from like the payment space as well, where we had a good relationship with different companies. So we were quite easily able to get a lot of companies. Then I think it was also partly luck because when we initially launched our company, that was when the big ICO, ICO hype was as well. So we did get tons of ICOs in the beginning, also lots of cryptocurrency exchanges using our services. So it was essentially like quite a good timing for us to launch a company back in 2017. So, Victor, in the early days, hey, you're working hard towards, of course, signing up the first customers, but as well, building the product. How does that yeah. process go about? Yeah, so essentially developing our company took quite a while to essentially develop because, as I mentioned earlier as well, we wanted it to be essentially globally available as well. Yeah. So what we then had to do was to essentially start building the infrastructure. I can't really take too much credit for this because this is actually the work of our CTO is a brilliant mind when it comes to essentially developing these, these sort of things. Uh, what we had to start doing was to essentially find the different documents worldwide to essentially start training our system against. So this mm -hmm. was a, a very, very long process. We had to look into all the different countries to essentially find all the major government-issued IDs. So driver license, passports, and ID documents in general. And uh, I mentioned to just download photocopies of driver's license, passport, etc., and just upload that into a computer? Or? Yeah, easily put it, yeah. Uh, and then our machine learning starts building its own models on essentially understanding the security features on the documents because that's in essence what our system does. It checks a document, it analyzes the security features and usually like it's hundreds of different security features on the documents, such as like the MRZ code or the holograms or all the placement of the text, including the font type as well. Uh, and then, of course, like it doesn't only require you to have, let's say, three different images of documents. We need hundreds or even thousands of unique different documents. Yeah. And this is also why our system is continually getting better and better as well, because the more data that we feed to the system, the better it gets as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the infrastructure took almost, I think it was two years to essentially develop for Shafter Pro. And then we had the first like initial clients where we essentially tested accuracy as well, because we, would, we want to rely much more on using only AI than versus using AI combined with human intelligence as well. Yeah, because I can imagine as well that um, uploading correct documents into the system that of course trains how the document should look like, but as well, do you then trigger it by uploading false documents at the same yeah, time? We do. 
Uh, and that actually goes hand in hand with our anti-spoofing technology as well, which are essentially in place to try and find the fraudulent documents which is being uploaded to the system. So then we need to be, let's say, 100% sure that this is exactly how a genuine document is supposed to look like. And mm -hmm. then the anti-spoofing technology tries to find like all the different, so like smaller tamperings, which is put on the documents from fraudulent customers as well. Yeah. So that's, let's say, the, the second step of our system. Yeah. And think about the scope, because it's very difficult for me to imagine how many false documents are being uploaded for every uh, genuine one. Do you have any insights there? Yeah, uh, once again, this depends very heavily on whatever sector we're talking about. Like if we're talking about like banking clients, the, the, the ratio isn't that high. Uh, if we're talking about like gaming customers, then the ratio is a bit higher. And to give you some numbers, I would say for the standard banking client, I'm guessing it might be one or 2%, but for the gaming space, it's closer to 15 or even 20%. Oh, wow. Well, that's uh, a lot higher than I thought. Yeah, then necessarily it doesn't need to be like, uh, the customer who is like a fraudulent customer who wants only to deposit and then do charge back to reclaim the money. It might be the fraudulent attempts where essentially the customer is obliged to upload a proof of address document. However, uh -huh. proof of address document is a problem because then you can't accept documents which are older than let's say three months. So the customer might then have tried to just change the issue date on the proof of address document. So yeah, it's a bit of those. I would try to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of those fraudulent cases as well, which we, which we see from the gaming customers. Yeah. And now look, of course, you know, you've got very valuable insights into how people had tried to commit fraud when applying for a bank account or whatever. What are some of the most common things that are being used? Is it indeed the changing of a date on a document or is it mainly fast passports or? Yeah, from my insights, I would say that changing essentially the date is one of the most common cases. Essentially, like an underage person is trying to essentially be 18 if that's what the age limit is, or 21 in, in the US as an example. So that's one of the most common cases that we see that they try to edit it, but then they usually fail because there's like, and I don't want to disclose exactly how we can actually check this because then some fraudulent customers might know like exactly what to change, but we can double check almost all the information on the documents to make sure that it's actually accurate. Yeah. And then in this series, we talk about the ABCD of payments, so artificial intelligence, blockchain, cloud, and data. Well, AI is, of course, the, the major driver behind your solution, as is data. Um, can you explain a bit about those who are not that familiar with AI, how it essentially works? What is it? And we've heard themes like machine learning. Is, is that something completely different? What is the relationship between the two? Yeah, so uh, I'm sure it might differ from different sectors, but in our case, when I mentioned machine learning, this is essentially how our system trains itself to detect if a document is genuine or not. Uh, when it comes to the AI part of our system, that's more in the, in the way that our system actually determines if the document is genuine, like if the security features are correct, if it's the same person. So in this case, also applying facial verification to make sure that it's the same individual doing verification as it is on the document. Easily put it, essentially try to mimic whatever human individual would essentially do when they're determining like if the verification is genuine or not. Yeah, exactly. And then looking towards blockchain, uh, is that something that it plays a key role in your company? Uh, not at the moment, but it's a very, very interesting topic for us at the moment. Uh, I can share some of the insights which we are working on at the moment. And this is partly ourselves developing, but also working with different partners in the space. 
And one of the other problems, as we talked about, like the regulations being not universal, that there's like complete jungle. Another problem that we also see from different companies is that when a customer does a KYC, like you mentioned, when you was it Mons or N26 that you mentioned? Uh, um, both N26 and Revolut. Uh, interesting relevant. Okay. The problem then is that you go firstly to Monzo, you open up an account, then you need to do the KYC, then you go to Revolut, and then you also need to do a separate KYC. Yep. The problem then is that there's not a way for these companies to essentially share the data between themselves. So there has been a few companies in the space that have tried to develop what is commonly called like the, the sovereign identity or the multipost that you can so like continue to use your identification on multiple different places. Yep. But at least my understanding, there has really been like a company which is like leading at the moment. Like it's been like yeah, gold standard. Yeah, the, the, the data, the customer database hasn't been that big for those companies that have tried it. So this is something which we're looking into quite heavily at the moment with some partners, where we will essentially try to make use of blockchain uh, so that first of all, like the customer's data is entirely the customer's data. They are in control of whoever they would like to share the data with. So the customers will essentially reclaim back their identity. They, they can save it either on their device or solely on using a cloud structure and blockchain technology. Uh, and then essentially the main idea is that the customer can then reuse their, their data for KVC purposes or even for authentication purposes on, on whatever websites that they actually choose. So they basically have their identity in their wallet, which they can then easily use to gain access. Exactly. Uh, and then this is also a system which can also be built uh, additional add-ons as well. Like you can authenticate purchases, you can uh, recover lost passwords, you can essentially make purchases. So it's quite an interesting thing to essentially look into further as well, because I do personally believe that this will essentially be the future as well for identity verification. Yeah, there are so many use cases indeed that it makes total sense uh, to far more integrate the KYC capabilities into a uh, um, uh, centralized identity verification tool that then also triggers your passwords, your cards, whatever. Uh, exactly. And, yeah. And do you see as well potentially a future where you don't need to bring your uh, ID documents or your passport or ID card or driving license when you want to travel? But for instance, such a uh, tool is, is sufficient for the government for you to identify yourself. Yeah, uh, I certainly do. Uh, and to be honest, I don't think we need to look too far down in the future when this will essentially be available. I think within the next, hopefully, couple of years, uh, it will essentially be available, at least for some countries. Like, let's say if Europe come up with a universal regulation and they mm -hmm. essentially give this to be a, an accepted way of essentially proving your identity, then I think it can go very quickly from there. Yeah, let's hope that will change uh, traveling a bit. Yeah, exactly. the, tra the travel industry right now needs every help that they can get in order to facilitate traveling again. So this will be, I think, a fantastic step in, in that direction. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we already shortly mentioned uh, cloud. How does that play a role in your business? Yeah, so we try to essentially put any business using our cloud architecture when it comes to our system. Uh, the main reason is because it's very easy for us to essentially have a scalable solution as well. Like all clients come in different sizes. Like some of them have, let's say, 100 verifications on a monthly basis, while some have, let's say, tens of thousands of verifications on a monthly basis. Using cloud structure would essentially give us a very, very scalable and a very quick way to essentially uh, adapt the business to their appropriate size. The problem here is also that some regulations, uh, once again, with regulations, uh, actually require the companies to essentially store the data uh, in either that particular country or the data can't be transferred outside. 
So there are some complications with using like a solely cloud-based structure. Um, and once again, like for some other competitors in the space as well, like if they rely on the use of artificial intelligence, but also the, the component of the human intelligence, then that's another headache for the companies as well, because then even if they might be able to store the data in that particular country, they still need to send it outside of that country as well. Yeah. So for instance, for the Turkish market or the Indian market uh, and Russia as well, there are quite strict rules and regulations in place where, where indeed you store the data. That can be a hosted server within that country, but indeed, uh, there are limitations. Exactly. So, uh, um, yeah, one of our latest clients was an Algerian bank, which is just being deployed at the moment. So there we have like the completely on-premise installation as well, where like our AI model is put within the bank as well to actually do the verifications. Yeah. And, and then let's talk a bit about data. And I think uh, an interesting point here is you gather a lot of very sensitive information. Yep. How do you ensure the security of the, the data that you gather? Yeah, so we follow sort of like the, the latest uh, security recommendations. We go look that might be PCI or if that's ISO uh, mm -hmm. recommendations. Uh, we try to essentially keep up with the, with the latest trends when it comes to data security. Uh, this isn't really my area of expertise, to be completely honest. That would be more appropriate for our CTO. Uh, but we try essentially to do like any possible way to essentially keep our customers' data secure. Yeah, indeed. And then. Um, looking at the flow, eh, because payments um, is all about removing friction. Yeah. And of course, uh, your solution is also quite often used in the payment uh, checkout phase. Yeah. How, do you, how do you integrate with your clients to make sure that the, the voyage is as seamless as possible? Is it always used as a white label solution or do you also have uh, a, a branded solution that you offer? Yeah, so we essentially have yeah, all the different ways that clients can essentially integrate. We have these sort of like uh, white label solutions where they can use their own sort of like company name, company logos, etc. We have API solutions, iframe solutions, SDKs, including also the on-premise installations. Uh, one of the most common ways that companies are using us is for their, their customer onboarding. Uh, and you're absolutely right in the sense that uh, customers don't like the friction or essentially the delay in the process. So what we can also do here, and this is something which I've seen quite recently from a lot of companies as well is that instead of having the customer go for like the, the entire sort of like registration page like you, you probably notice yourself like you're typing in your name your address yep. date of birth all that kind of boring stuff to essentially fill out but what what the, the customers can then instead do is that they can start using our identity verification so the customer instead of typing in all this information they simply just show their driver license or their passport or whatever it might be and then we extract all the details straight from that document so then instead of actually having the customer type it in, which might take, let's say, one minute, we extract all the information in less than a couple of seconds time and then have the, the registration already done. Is it in that case also possible uh, if I, like we mentioned before, if I already did a uh, verification through Shufti Pro with my driver's license and then added my uh, address, for instance, that the second time I just show my driver's license and those details are also already put in the system or is that not yet? It's not possible at the moment. And the main thing is that the data which we verify on, on behalf of our clients, it's it's not our data to essentially share. It's like the it's data, the client's the data. data. So we yeah. can't unfortunately make use of that information for other clients. Hopefully this might be able to be solved using the blockchain technology as well, where the customer can essentially then authenticate that this next client is essentially making use of the previous verified information. Yeah. And as well that if uh, the brand becomes strong, that people want to make use of uh, that they 
uh, actively provide you with all the data, then I think exactly. uh, that's a different. Is, is that something that you're working towards to have more of the data on your own uh, servers or? I would say yes and no. Uh, of course, having the data... It, it's also a headache. Eh? Yeah, it, it's <laughs> definitely also a headache. And it's something that we need to sort of like keep on looking into uh, very much as well, just so that we, we don't fall into like the traps of, let's say, hackers or anybody else trying to steal information. Uh, of course, the, the easiest thing for us would be that we do the verification, then the client is essentially storing information themselves. Uh, so we do have some clients that also want it to be structured this way. So as soon as we have done the verification, we immediately purge all the information from our side. Uh, but yeah, the standard way is still that we store the information on behalf of the client uh, using our own servers. Yeah. Then looking in the, the KYC um, and KYB and as well AML, which we didn't really touch upon yet, perhaps it's interesting to, to dive a bit deeper into that. But what role do you play in that industry? Uh, you mean for the AML pod or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for the AML pod, we're not focusing that much on that space at the moment. The, the main thing is because the identity verification technology, this is our core business. This is our own technology, which we have developed over the, the course of six years almost at the moment. Uh, when it comes to the AML stuff, there are really good providers in the space. So what we have done is studies that we have partnered up with these different companies to essentially be able to offer their services within our compliance platform instead. Uh, so we're not actively pursuing the email space at the moment ourselves. We're uh, keeping that thing for the email providers on the market. Yeah, make, making sure you have to focus on KYC, KYB. Uh, yeah, uh, it would take too much time to focus on both of those different things. Yeah. And, and now you've been active for six years. I can imagine that uh, it's been uh, an interesting development over the six years. And a lot, like you mentioned, there are a lot of rules and regulations, but as well new documents that are being put out. What yeah. are some of the developments that you see in the next couple of years? We already shortly touched upon uh, having a centralized uh, authentication tool that, that you can use across industries. Do you yeah. see any other developments that, that are on the near horizon that we should really look forward to? Yeah. I think, yeah, partly having a universal select regulation, that, that's of course will be one of the things which uh, I, I think will happen shortly. Uh, mm -hmm. Using blockchain-based technology might also be one of the things. Uh, also validating the information against external databases will probably be something which more and more governments will turn to as well. Uh, so this already exists in some different countries like Australia as an example where you can connect to Australian databases to essentially double check the information from what you verify from the documents. But it's not really accessible in all European countries at the moment, uh, certainly for the, not the, the rest of the world either. So I think this is something which will also come into place much more as well, because some of these, let's say, these sophisticated fraudsters, the ones who has this like as their, their job almost, yep. uh, they might be extremely, extremely good at essentially creating fraudulent documents, which they could potentially bypass the system. But what they can't do is that they can't bypass a government system like a database where you check the information against. So yep. that would essentially help eliminate some of the fraudulent cases from the more sophisticated forces on the market. And should I then think about documentation such as the address that somebody submits while doing their tax returns and had to verify that versus the passport that is being used? Yeah, something something like that could also potentially be. Uh, this is uh, particularly popular in the UK as well, where you can essentially double check like the, the provider certification against like the government databases or the, I'm not sure what's called in the UK, like, in Sweden we call it like the, the yellow pages or something like yeah, this. Yeah, the I'll phone say. book. Uh, yeah, yeah phone book, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
And then, of course, there are interesting uh, topics there with regards to rules and regulations. Is this something as well that you're in contact with, with, for instance, the ECB or uh, the, the European Union uh, to assist them in making the rules and regulations that, that affect this industry? Because, of course, hey, you've, you are not a chanter in that sense. Uh, you yep. found a way to make it a lot more easy and accessible for people. Is it something that you're as well in discussion with, with them? Yeah, I can't say we're in active discussions. We have certainly tried to reach out to essentially give our insights on the market and essentially what would essentially be a good way forward. The problem is that there's been lots of initiatives when it comes to this space and yeah, it should be done in this way. Maybe we should have like a universal regulation, but mm -hmm. things are moving very slow to be honest. Uh, that's the problem. So we've tried to do differently. So we've tried to focus on the individual regulations as well to try and reach out to them to essentially give our insights. So most recently we've been taught with the uh, regulations over in, at Estonia, mm -hmm. uh, the, the FIU, because they also recently implemented new, some new changes essentially for uh, cryptocurrency exchanges that deal with non-EA customers that had some specific requirements when it comes to the verification process. Uh, so Warren talks with them at the moment to see like how our technology can essentially be aligned with the regulatory requirements and also what would be a good way to verify the, the customers without causing the, the friction that we discussed previously as well. Yeah. And then perhaps you take a little bit of a sidestep because um, of course now with the pandemic, um, yeah. the behavior in the world has changed drastically. Yeah. Do you as well see that back in the amount of uh, fraudulent uh, uh, input that is being given in or had different areas that it's been being used? Yeah, I can't say that the, the fraudulent ratio has changed that much since the pandemic started. Uh, I think it's remained like a constant value, like as mentioned previously, in reverse, like 15 or almost 20% in gaming space or 1% to 2% in the banking space. Uh, of course, the, the volumes have been completely different since the pandemic started and more businesses are essentially turning toward digitalization as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't say that the fraudulent ratio has actually changed that much. Yeah. And with more businesses moving into the digital space, do you as well see a massive surge to, uh, towards you for, for use of your service? Yeah, we certainly do. Um, I can't say the exact percentage, but it's been crazy for the past year almost. Yeah, uh, Lots of businesses turning towards digitalization, especially lots of banking clients as well, because I'm not sure how it is in the Netherlands, but like the Swedish banks, as an example, have been quite slow in actually adapting to innovation in the space. Uh, one thing could be also that we have a quite different step here in Sweden as well when it comes to verifying your identity. Uh, but in general, Swedish banks, at least to my understanding, would be essentially slow to adapt to innovation. But now essentially everybody is turning towards trying to find new ways to onboard customers because they can't visit essentially the, the, the branch offices. Yeah, I think in the Netherlands, we've seen uh, banks make a massive surge towards digitalization. Yeah. But as well, uh, KYC and KYB is still one of the main pain points uh, within all of the three major banks in, in the Netherlands. Yeah. And uh, only a few years ago, I think a 750 million fine was given to ING Bank uh, sure. with regards to this. Um, and uh, ABN AMRO is currently also uh, under indictment for yeah. not having their KYC policies up to date. Um, so yeah, it, it is still and remains still a, a massive uh, pain of pain point for for these companies. Yeah. Do you see them? Do you see a real solution? Like, is AI the ultimate solution for this, or will there always be manual process involved? At at the current state, well, I would say there would always need to be 
manual intervention as well in the verification process. And the, the main thing, because AI is very good, uh, don't uh, take my words for, for that wrong. Uh, AI is very good, especially in essentially creating like a quicker process or, or removing the human errors. But still for some countries around the world, like there needs to be the human intervention as well when it comes to verification, because some countries still rely on using old paper-based IDs as an example, or handwritten text on the documents. And this is essentially impossible for AI models to essentially verify those type of documents. Uh, so that's definitely where, where human intelligence is also needed. And then for extremely special cases as well, which are, I would say, rare in the space as well, where let's say the, the most sophisticated fraudulent things are being done in the document, that might also be a good case where uh, essentially like a more senior compliance officer might be able to see that themselves. Yeah. But I think you're indicating there to a massive shift in where the human intervention is instead of hey, now manually reviewing all the documents. Exactly. Correct, reviewing yeah. the process that is reviewing the documents. I think yeah. that's that's the key differentiator. But what because I can imagine as well that once companies start working with you, that they free up a lot of resources in order to invest in other areas. Yeah. What are some of the responses that you've been getting from uh, from your clients? Uh, most of our clients are very happy with our services. Like one of the things, yeah, as you mentioned as well, like it does free up a lot of time from, from the other employees, which can essentially then focus on other stuff, uh, like business development as an example. Yeah. Uh, reducing the time for essentially customer onboarding is one of the, the major benefits that we give to the clients. Uh, also being able to give them like a complete compliance platform instead of having the clients uh, essentially integrate to a bunch of different vendors instead of. Yeah. Uh, so we essentially create a one-stop shop for, for our clients. So that's also one of the benefits that we have. A major pain point, of course, is indeed when you uploaded a few documents and then a few days later you have to upload another document and then you have to confirm something here. That's exactly. just a drag. Yeah, and that's when we essentially verify all the information in real time instead. So we even have our ways where clients, and this is usually like one of the problems that we have seen as well, is that... Usually the, the client doesn't only have, let's say, one service they would like to verify. They would like, usually like to verify, let's say, the face, the document, the proof of address, and maybe an email check. Mm -hmm. What has been like one of the, the major problems for a lot of competitors in the space is that if a customer, let's say, pauses on three of the different steps, but fails on the fourth step, the customer would then need to redo like all the different steps instead. Yeah. Uh, so not only does it cause like customer complaints because the customer don't want to do redo like all the steps themselves, but it's also very time consuming and also very costly process because usually like yeah, the competitors, dropout rate increases, dropout rates increases. And also like a lot of businesses charge for, for each of these different decisions. So not only for like successful verifications, but also for all the failed steps as well. Uh, what we do is that we essentially allow the customers to sort of like retry the process instead. So like if you're, let's say, verifying your document and you're verifying your face, you're both successful, but then you come to the upload of proof of address document. But let's say your invoice is expired, it's four months old instead. So then it's a fail on that one. But instead of failing the entire verification, we then allow you to simply just re-upload a new image instead. So that you can then continue with the verification process and then it's completely done instead. Yeah, yeah, indeed. That's a massive change uh, in the yeah. industry there. Yeah, that's removing friction because I always swear to my computer whenever this happens when I'm indeed typing in all my address and then I click to the next and I miss something and everything is taken out again. I, I yeah. always lose it. <laughs> Same here on my end as well. <laughs> so I'm happy. I'm happy you're here to 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 fix that. Yeah. 
Then look, looking at the near horizon, you mentioned that there are a lot of clients actively pro approaching you in order to make use of your services. What else is on the, on the near horizon for you and, and Shufti Pro? Uh, we are developing some really interesting features within our technology. Um, having the verification being done in seconds is something which we already offer to our clients. This is also something which we are continually bringing down as well. So our goal is essentially to have verifications done in milliseconds almost. Uh, some other things that we're also developing is that we are essentially creating an automated journey for the customer when they are doing the verification without any additional clickings from the customers. So you can imagine this scenario as yourself starting the verification process and then it's like a automated guidance, like show your face now and then show your ID document or passport or wherever it might be. And then we automatically capture the best frame of those images as well. So this yeah. could potentially be something which, yeah, especially the neobanks- Much more dynamic process in that sense. Exactly. And this is something which, uh, yeah, a lot of the neobanks are competing with as well. Like how many steps can you essentially onboard a customer with? with? With this journey from our side, like it would essentially be like serious step for the KYC part, which would then essentially remove, yeah, I would say by standard, let's say six or seven additional steps instead. Yeah. Yeah. And is the, the improving in quality of cameras, for instance, I, I can imagine that's a major benefit to, to you. Yeah, it is. Uh, comparing like the standard webcam quality against like even like the, I would say almost like the worst smartphone in the space, like usually the smartphone wins in almost yeah, all the pieces. And this is probably like one of the good things, to be honest, like I'm not really much of a phone person myself. I, I still try to, or I still prefer to do like everything for my computer instead of but when we see like the verifications which are coming into our system, like the majority of them are actually coming in from the mobile phone as well, which essentially makes our life easier as well. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Right. So um, interesting things ahead, but as well, uh, like you mentioned, having a centralized authentication tool that you can use across the globe. I think, yeah, that, that really sounds interesting. But how, uh, how many years? How long do we have to wait for that? <laughs> It entirely depends on which partners we can find in the space. Uh, it's all about having like as, as big of a customer base as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, like if we get some of the biggest companies in the world which are ready to start using that particular service like then it can probably be live within one or two years. Uh, but I also need to find enough companies that are also willing to also connect to the system because if only one company is connected then it doesn't really make too much sense. So yeah. the majority of the companies or from let's say a certain sector needs to be integrated as well before it's so like even attractive to the market to begin with. Yeah. Uh, my hope is that within two or three years time, this will be so like standard in the space. All right. Oh, that's a lot sooner than I expected. Yeah. Let's, let's work towards that. And uh, let's, let's hope that when uh, people listen to this podcast uh, and they think they can add value, that they will be able to find you and, uh, and partner with you to, uh, to make this happen. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Victor, thanks a lot for being on this podcast. It's been an absolute joy, I must say. Uh, I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. And thanks for making the time. And we'll speak soon. Thank you, too. Pleasure being here. All right. Thanks a lot, mate. Bye-bye.